Yo, hello and welcome to the Pixelist, everybody. I'm Will. That's Blake. We're here to talk about all things nerdy, specifically Critical Role today. And bro, it's good to see you, man. Uh, it's you been, too, man. It's been so long since we've done this. I feel like it's like the longest it's been since we started. Yeah, I. Which great to see you too. It's I can't help but get so hyped to talk Critical Role, talk D and D. And uh, welcome all of you, by the way, who are here to talk about it with us. I hope you're just as excited as we are. And yes, my friend, it has been a while. Uh, we did just put out a video yesterday, but like in yeah. terms of like you know our weekly setup, um, uh, those of you guys who may have been waiting for this video to go up, I know it's Monday. We had a, I think a Monday or a Tuesday episode a while back, maybe early on in this campaign, but um, or maybe it was EXU. I can't remember. But um, yeah, I was really sick um, from the holidays, and then you went on on a, a little weekend trip. So this was like the first time we could actually sit down and record. Um, I was like coughing up a lung, so I was like doing a microphone based production was really not in my best interest. I guess. Yeah, we we decided so. to put it off a little bit, but we're here now, and I'm excited to talk about this. I uh, can't wait to dive in, and I just. I want to go ahead and start, but I want to make sure, is there anything else we need to like, since it has been a minute that we need to like cover before we jump in? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So just a couple of quick like housekeeping things. Um, first of all, if you've never watched this channel before, we're the Pixelists. We are just two buddies who we just, we love nerdy stuff. So like we love D&D, we love Marvel. That's pretty much all of our channel's content. We like to say there's a lot of other stuff that we like to um, watch and enjoy. And <laughs> we're continuing to expand our, our tastes. Yeah. Um, so if you've made it here, welcome. I hope this is a bastion for you to also be able to talk uh, the nerdy stuff that you enjoy as well. Um, so that's that's the big overview of what the channel is. Uh, the other thing is we just put out a video on an event happening right now called AGDQ. It's Awesome Games Done Quick. It's a charity event that's happening all this week where um, some of the games from your childhood, some of the most... Um, you know, award-winning games even from recent years are being speed run uh, where people get together and they beat the game as fast as possible. It's really fun. Uh, so we just put out a video on that. We're also doing later this week a video on The Witcher 2. And bro, I'll go ahead and say it. You need to watch Arcane and we need to do a video on it. I know. So, Everyone's been telling me how good that is. So yeah, you need to avoid spoilers and just get in on it because that's also an amazing show that um, we need to talk about on the Pixelist. Yeah. And oh, I, I think this announcement came out during our the, the Critical Role hiatus, which was our hiatus as well, basically. Um, the Critical Role TV show is coming a week early. So that's coming this month. It's coming in like less yeah. than three weeks, I think. So yeah. yeah. So that'll be really We're fun. I'm excited for that. Be doing that as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I cannot wait for. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think that's everything, though. So I think. Yeah. I think we're good to dive in, and um, I'll just go ahead and say, you know, we'd like to do a quick recap, usually about fifteen to twenty minutes long, on uh, what happened in the episode. You know, it can be like a four and a half hour long episode. So we do a brief recap. So if you're checking out this video right now, you're seeing a, you might be seeing, uh, the recap that we've cut out and put as a separate video for people just trying to stay caught up. So if you're here for that, Hey, and down in the pinned comments, you can find the whole video with our whole, excuse me, discussion, uh, on our YouTube channel. So having said that, will, do you want to take it away and talk about what happened in episode, excuse me, episode nine, I think, of Critical Role. 
Yes, sir. And uh, it was indeed episode nine. But alrighty, so um, we pick back up, and since it has been a few weeks since the previous episode, uh, where we left off was kind of this confrontation where Fern, who was uh, uh, who had transformed into a rat, was spying on these wardens. And uh, anyway, the wardens are leaving the room, and they actually stepped on her, which poofed her rat form. And so here she is, you know, face to face with these people she was just spying on. Um, so she just immediately launches into this lie saying that like, oh, these, this pack of direwolves just was attacking. I, I came in here, uh, to warn you guys and to get you guys to come help. And I, you know, had to transform into this rat because I had to get through the door. So she was like, uh, you know, yeah, that's why I'm here. Like, let's go. The direwolves are attacking and the wardens aren't buying it. And, um, and just to refresh, there's basically like a, a head warden and then like two of his subordinates that are in this room. Like so immediately, yeah. yeah, the goons. So immediately they basically like kind of restrain her and the the guy in charge, the boss, which I'll probably just refer to him as for simplicity's sake, moving forward, um, basically starts questioning her. He's like, oh, yeah, what color dire was? And like basically quickly realize that, you know, that's bullshit. And he's like, OK, really, though, why are you looking for Gurge? Like, what do you why do you keep asking these questions about him? You know, what's what's going on here? And uh, Fern lies again and says that she and Gurge are lovers and, you know, in a relationship. But he, like, took off on her. So she's just looking for him and looking for information on him. And uh, while this is happening, she does telepathically communicate with Imogen because they still have that mental connection. And uh, she kind of fills Imogen in on what's going on. And the party's like, okay, we got to get in there. Like, she may be in trouble. So yeah, I think they... she's like, I think she's like, uh, yeah, they're going to kill me. Like, very yeah. casually. <laughs> <laughs> they're like, oh, okay. Uh, let's go. So yeah. the party starts trying to, like, basically bust through the door um, while Fern is having this conversation. So um, we cut back inside to Fern and the boss, and she casts Trump person on him and succeeds. So he immediately kind of, like, you know, chills out and tells the other guards, like, hey, stop restraining her. Like, release her. And uh, they've been hearing like these loud noises coming from behind them, which is the rest of the party now trying to break in to help Fern. So he's like, hey, y'all go investigate what that noise is. And uh, he talks to Fern one on one and she starts, you know, just telling him about like Gurge and their relationship. Um, and he tells her that, yeah, we captured him uh, because this bounty hunter, um, Artana Vo, had paid them to like help assist her in capturing him and that when they went to do that he transformed into this like terrifying beast and um you know fought pretty hard but they were able to subdue subdue him and he was taken back alive in order to account for his bounty um and so right around this time is when the party actually successfully does like completely destroy the door and make it fall down and the two goons are walking around like right as this happens and Imogen's like, uh, we knocked and it just fell. Like, you guys really need to look into <laughs> fixing that. <laughs> and they're like, uh, what? And basically Fern and the boss come out around a little bit later, like just a few moments later. And she's like, oh, did you guys subdue that big gang of direwolves that were here? And the party's like, uh, yeah, they fell off the cliff. <laughs> and <laughs> basically they're like since he's still charmed by her, he's like, you know, this is private property. You guys should probably go. And they're like, yeah, we will definitely go. So they get out of there really no worse for the wear. And uh they're trying to figure out what to do with this information, you know, that they 
Artanovo apparently has Gurge, and they're like, well, you know what, let's do what we always do, let's go talk to Estros, and maybe he can shed some light on this for us. Um, so they head there, and fill him in on everything, including uh, not just this whole Gurge situation, but also the uh, situation they had at the theater a few weeks ago with the Mimic and mm, all that jazz, and they also introduce him to Chetney. Um, and regarding their run-in with the Mimic at the theater and, you know, the Treshies and just all these little pieces of information they have, he's like, you know, I can look into the Treshies, see what see what's going on. But he's like, be careful because they carry a lot of weight in this city. So, you know, just watch your step if you're going to be asking about them. Uh, but he does say that there is this big, like, ball coming up that he gets invited to every year that's basically with all, like, the well-to-do, you know, affluent people in the city. Um, that he usually turns down, but he's like, you know, maybe this year I could go and kind of poke around, see what I can find out. And Laudan is like, oh, could we go? And he's like, uh, I'll, I'll look into it. I'll see what I can do. Um, but then they get around to the Gurge Artanovo, uh, side of things. And he opens up this book that he has that he like keeps tabs on everybody in the city. And he's like, as far as a Gurge goes, you know, he's kind of like this wild man that, uh, people in the city are very wary of, but like in the down below the lower levels and on the outskirts of the city, uh, they really look up to him and they're like, okay. And he's like, as far as Artana Vo, um, uh, she is a Unaya, which don't know if that pronunciation is correct, but basically what that means is she is half, half orc, half, half elf. And that she has a sister in town named Preo Medali, who is an owner of the Sutton Swill Tavern. So he's like, that's pretty much all I have, but you know, she's a, infamous bounty hunter but you may be able to find out more from her sister um and estros also lets orm know that uh he has been able to make some headway on his meeting setting up the meeting with the anger and he's like i could probably set that up in about a week's time so orm's like awesome thank you so much and they basically take all this information and are like okay well the day is still young let's go to this sit and swill tavern see if we can talk to uh preo and see what we can find out so they decide to do just that, and um, outside of Estoros's, they quickly catch Chetney up on basically everything else that they had just talked to Estros about, like the mimic and the, the thing at the theater, and, you know, basically get him up to speed. And he's like, yeah, you know, you guys are helping me out. I'm down to help you guys out as well. Um, kind of just, you know, more so cementing him as a member of the party beyond just this Gurge thing. And uh, we also find out that he is over 200 years old, but has stopped counting after 101. <laughs> and uh, we get F Fern reveals, which I think she's already revealed this, but she once again reveals that she's 112. Um, and they also find out that, or don't find out, but we settle on the fact that Mister, her little familiar, is seven because they didn't know how old he was, and so they kind of have a back and forth, and they're like, "Yeah, you're seven. Um, so they basically, you know, have those conversations as they're heading to the Soot and Swill, and once they get there, Ashton uh, apparently the last time he was here, kind of made some trouble and um so preo the the owner immediately uh sees ashton when they come in and is like oh you're back again and ashton's like okay what do i got to do to to smooth things over and preo's basically like you got to buy this 85 gold bottle um and then we'll be chill and fern fern steps up and re-steals the earring that ashton stole from her and was like how about we just trade this and Preo's like, uh, I'll, I'll knock it down to 40 if you include that. And Ashton hands her, uh, 50 gold and is like, here, and this is going to, you know, hopefully buy me some, some future goodwill. 
and uh, Preo's like, great. Uh, and she also takes a little keen interest in FCG, which many people have in this campaign because, you know, he is a very unique automaton and, um, you know, says hello to him and introduces herself as Preo. And that's when the, the party actually officially finds out that that is her. Um, so they take the expansive bottle he just bought, go back to a table, try it, and they're like, okay, so what do we do now? And FCG's like, well, I'm going to take her some of this liquor, and he does, and she takes it immediately, and he just flat out asks her. He's like, hey, we're looking for Artanovo. We heard, you know, she was your sister. Do you know anything, basically? And Preo uh, denies it. She's like, uh, my last name is Madali. Artana is Artanovo. Like, not the same name. We're not related. Whoever told you that uh, was wrong. But FCG notices that she's kind of like glancing over her shoulder toward the kitchen and getting kind of fidgety um, when he asked that. And she, so he's like, okay, and goes back to the party, tells them this, and they're like, okay, well, we need to get inside that kitchen. So Chetney's like, you know, I'll do it. And he just goes invisible and sneaks back there just to see what he can see. And uh, inside there's like this huge ogre that is the chef who's cooking up the <laughs> meals for this place. And... Um, He's seemingly the only one back there. Um, Chetney doesn't see anybody else, but he does see this like hidden door kind of blocked by like this dinner cart that he calls a bookcase because he's so small. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but he can't really get to it because, you know, the ogre is there. Yeah. Um, so he returns, tells everybody what he saw, and they're like, okay, well, we need to get this. We need a distraction. And they basically settle on Fern ordering some food and being like, oh, my compliments to the chef. Like, please bring the chef out here so that I can compliment <clears> him. <throat> and um, they decide to do that. And so while she's going to do that, FCG is also going to go distract Preo. So she's not any of the wiser. And uh, <laughs> he he does that by putting the expensive bottle on his head and just starts like wheeling around back and forth, left <laughs> and right. Meanwhile, <laughs> balancing it like precariously. And Sam yeah. accomplishes this because he rolled a natural 20. He kind of just like... <laughs> fell ass backward into this distraction but it worked beautifully um and so while those two distractions are happening uh chetney orum dorian and ashton sneak into the kitchen and chetney is still invisible so they get in there look around end up moving that uh cart out of the way and there's a lock on this kind of hidden door and chetney tries and fails ashton tries and fails and Meanwhile, the chef, who's the ogre, has, you know, come out of the kitchen to talk to Fern. And he's, like, so stoked. He is, like, sprinting out of the kitchen. Uh, we found out his name is Pretty. And he is just literally moved to tears by the fact that somebody is complimenting his food. And um, he's beginning to share the recipe with Fern. Um, so back inside <laughs> the kitchen, uh, Chetney tries one more time to crack this lock, which its DC has been raising uh, every mm -hmm. single time they failed. Um, but he manages to get it on this third try with a 26, and Matt revealed that the DC was a 25. So, cracks the lock. They open the door, and they find this small room lit by, like, a single lantern. And inside there is a cot, and there is another Unai woman sitting on it. And as soon as this door opens, she immediately draws her crossbow, and that's where the episode goes to break. Um, do you want to take it from there? Yeah, 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 sure. So, um, great job, by the way. Yeah, so we come back from break, and uh, this is Artana Vo, and she is um, absolutely on the ready um, and actually fires quite a few crossbow bolts at the party uh, that have snuck into this small 
sort of like safe room um, and actually strikes Orem with one of them. And the whole time the party's like, please, like we just want to talk. Yeah. And then she just keeps firing these crossbow bolts. Well, finally, they speak to her in the language that she understands, which is gold. And so they all pretty much end up pulling gold onto the table. And Ashton has this moment of frustration with Chetney, with Chetney being like, oh, this is all the gold I have. And Ashton's like, is, is it really, though? Like, <laughs> if I find out you're lying, I'm going to kill you. Yeah. Well, Orem actually says, um, hey, like, we're, we're just trying to find out about Gurge. And if, you're, if you'll help us with some information, I'll throw another 100 gold on the table. Which Artanovo is like, okay, like, show me the money. So they throw up the gold, and um, even while she's still um, at the ready, she reveals that she did, in fact, uh, capture Gurge, that he was this beast man, that it was much uh, more challenging a mark than she realized. And in hindsight, she would have charged something like 8,000 gold for um, something like this. Because they even ask, like, hey, what if we wanted to hire you to get Gurge? Yeah. And she's like, yeah, 8,000 gold. And they're like... All right, so not that. Um, they also talk about like, well, who hired you? And uh, she mentions that it's the business commissioner who's in the Moon Tower by the name of Vali Dertrana. And this is the person who presumably like handles like business licenses and all sorts of things like this. And the Moon Tower is basically one of several towers at the top of the core spire where all the guilds and the larger businesses. Um, sort of do their work and so um artanovo reveals that that's where she had gurge delivered that's all she knows and it seems like they're pretty much done until dorian says hey you know a lot about bounties do you know anything about a um sizable bounty a twenty thousand gold bounty and as soon as he says this he regrets it because yeah. immediately artanovo is like yeah, actually, and the trail was cold, but now that you mention it, it was for someone who looks really just like you. Yeah. And is looking at him very suspiciously. And Dorian is just, I mean, like punched to the gut, is just realizing I've just given this person their first big lead. Um, so he's like, Oh, well, yeah, I don't know. I just was just curious, basically. Um, they basically say their goodbyes, they head out of the kitchen, and meanwhile, um uh <laughs> The party realizes they need to continue the distraction so, the, so that the group can get out of the kitchen. And uh, uh, FCG is still doing his like bottle balancing. And Matt mentions that like everyone's kind of like, all right, cool, man. We're over it. <laughs> it's, been, it's been 20 minutes. Like, we're good. <laughs> and then uh, meanwhile, um, Ladna, Imogen, and Fern, they're finishing up talking to Pretty. And Fern's like, you have such a pretty heart. And he's like, yes, it's very swollen. <laughs> and uh, they also, as he's getting up, he's going to see the group coming out of the kitchen. So Imogen goes, wait, wait, wait. Would you like to go on a date with us? And he's like, oh, okay, yeah. And even Preo was like, nice, good job. <laughs> so they agree to go on a date a few hours after he gets off his work shift, which is um, a couple hours after sunset. So uh, the party leaves. They confer all this information, and they decide, okay, let's let's go to the core spire and let's check out this moon tower. So they go take the trolley back to the core spire. They go up towards the top of it, and they check out this very well-to-do um, sort of premium. Uh, you know, you can tell it's like uh, a money-type area of yeah. the core spire. 
Um, there's guards, there's uh, Simurg uh, wardens, um, you know, the patrolling ones who fly around. And they see these, these towers that are at the top of the spire. Well, so Imogen goes to the gate that's sort of keeping the entrance to the uh, spire locked away and talks to the two guards and says basically like, hey, I'm here to, I'm on business with Master Faramore back from my hometown. He sent me here to open a business and I just need to get my license from uh, the commissioner, Vali Dertrana. And the guards are kind of like, uh, well, yeah, I mean, you're going to need more than that pretty much. Like we can't just let you in. So um, she does get some information from them in terms of which tower is the moon tower, but then basically goes back to the party and they're like, okay, we need a better idea. So the party talks about all sorts of options. Like, should we try to break in? Should we do, you know, do some hijinks? And they're like, well, you know, really, we were just kind of trying to get the lay of the lands. I don't think, especially with this date coming up, we really want to, you know, do something like this today. But they do realize, okay, what we could do, we could go back to Lord Esteros and ask him to write us a letter maybe to get into the moon tower. So they agree. They go back to Lord Esteros, who is baking, uh, I think it was cookies or, yeah. you know, some sweets, uh, which I love this angle of him. <laughs> yeah. And uh, they're quite delicious, by the way. And they ask him all sorts of questions. Um, they ask him about uh, essentially, um, first of all, would he have the means to get Dorian's brother out of town? Which he's like, okay, what's happened in the last like two hours to <laughs> need this to happen? Yeah. But um, that's at the top of Dorian's mind because he's now worried about his brother's life. And um, uh, he's like, yes, like with the right strings, I could make that happen for you guys. Um, so they talk about that. They also ask him for the letter to get into the moon tower. And he writes the letter. Um, and it turns out that Master Faramore actually is a real person from Imogen's hometown. And it was an individual who owned several businesses in her hometown. And so he um, writes the letter um for them um i feel like there was one more thing that they had asked them but maybe not um that they asked. oh well I, I do remember actually now in this conversation um imogen they're like oh well how are we going to go back to the moon tower because because he writes the letter and he says basically hey this this this, this dated you should probably go sooner than later and we're like ooh, like we have our date with pretty like we mm -hmm. can't stand them up and fcg and pretty much everyone else is kind of like I mean, is this going to be like a serious relationship? Because if not, <laughs> like this kind of takes precedence. And there's a little bit of a back and forth. that's kind of funny. Um, but basically, Imogen reveals that she's never been on a date before and just says it's kind of hard to go on a date with someone when, you know, you can hear their thoughts. And it's just um, just very challenging. So she's never been on a date. Um, all this to say, the party's like, OK, you know what? Let's just go ahead and head to the moon tower. They head that way. They give the guard the, the note. They're led into this courtyard area before the towers. They go into the moon tower, and there is this sort of front desk clerk who's locking away these books in this large bookshelf. Uh, and then it is sort of about to disappear down a hallway. Um, Fern actually tries, in typical Fern form, wants to try to touch one of these books. And she gets immediately shocked, like bolted, like hair straight up, and gets blinded, actually, temporarily. Um, they talk to this person. They say, hey, we're here on official business. And he says, okay, well, let me go see if Vali Dertrana is even here. Goes back, 
returns and says, yep, gone for the day. Sorry. And they're like, well, I mean, well, actually he says he he's, didn't respond. And they're like, well, maybe he's dead. Like, maybe we should check. <laughs> and he's like, I don't think he's dead. I'm like, we should probably check. And he's like, okay, I'll go, I'll go look again. He goes, he looks again. And this time the party follows him down the hallway and he knocks on the door, no answer. Uh, and then he's like, whoa, what are you guys doing back here? Dorian slides Chetney behind him and cast invisibility on him so that Chetney can sneak over to the door and unlock it. Um, the party has hijinks with this person. Um, they walk back to the main room. Uh, FCG grabs a book and gets shocked and immediately does like this deception of like, you know, I am now broken. <laughs> I'm like, you know, Apple computer like shut down sound and all this stuff. Meanwhile, Chetney cannot get into this lock. Like it's pretty much impossible. He tries and tries, can't do it, even with really high rolls, by the way. Um, finally, Imogen just um, asks this, this clerk to take a note for them. And it says, hey, will you put it on his desk? Because we don't feel comfortable like you just sliding under the door. And he's like, okay, fine, I'll, I'll put it on the desk. Goes back, unlocks the door. Chetney sneaks in, puts the, uh, the note gets put on the desk, and then leaves. And Chetney's now in this office of Vali Dertrana. There's a big bookshelf. There's a desk that apparently has a map of the trade routes in the Odiran Wilds. He, he takes that map, which Matt then, in outside the game, hands him a amazing yeah. uh, rolled-up map, uh, which I need to find a picture of that. We need to talk about that, by mm -hmm. the way. And then he starts inspecting the bookshelf, um, realizes there's something behind it, um, finds a small um, compartment, that inside of it has a journal and also has 100 platinum, uh, which he pockets. It's a thousand gold people. Uh, and then in the journal, um, there's a couple of entries. It hasn't been too filled out. Um, one of them, though, says uh, requested by Nightmare King, bring alive. And the vibe of the session just totally like gets serious. Everyone's like, Okay, Night Nightmare King Nightmare sounds King. really like holy crap. That sounds yeah. really bad. Like, oh boy. Well, Imogen then is like, hey, look for like a, a button or something in case it's like a, a trick bookcase. He finds a button. The bookcase slides aside. He steps into this dark stairwell, and he hears two voices. One is Vali Dertrana, and the other one is a person who goes by the name of Ira. And Ira explains that he is nearly finished casting his web. You know, designing his web across the city of his plan. Uh, Vali Deertrana is pretty much like, I just need you to finish like whatever you're doing and get out of my hair. And Ira actually asks, like, hey, if you'll bring me a Mahan child, it would, you know, go quicker or be much better. And he's like, I'm not doing that, you freak. Yeah. <laughs> um, but basically, they finish their conversation. Um, Vali returns back to the office, which Chetney panics. He can't figure out how to get out of the room. He then just goes up against the wall in a corner and Vali immediately realizes that someone's in the room, takes a sword out of a sheath that's sort of like decorated on the wall and begins swiping and gets closer to Chetney in this corner. And then Chetney books it and jumps out of the office through the stained glass into the rainy, dark night outside. Um, and that is basically where the episode ends. That's what happened in episode nine of campaign three. Woo. It was an insane episode. episode yeah. yeah. I mean, like trying to get all that all into like a 20 minute span. It's like, and then this happened and then this yeah. happened. So much stuff happened in this session. Um, so 
I'm ready to talk about it if you are. Yeah. Yeah, let's just dive right in. Yeah, I think uh, one of ahead. them mentioned it, that there were like three <laughs> like full heist like emissions in this episode. Or heist, not the right word, but like they had three different like, oh shit, stuff hitting the fan. And so, yeah, jam-packed. <laughs> yeah, it was a crazy episode. It was a really good episode. It was a great episode to come back to after yeah. a long like holiday break, mm-hmm. you know? And, um, you know, I, it's just, it's just, it's a, it, to me, it's just great seeing like the possibilities when like an episode happens in its entirety without any combat. And yet it feels like something was always happening. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's just, you know, points to, well, I was going to say Matt, but really the cast as well for just, you know, being so good at what they do that, you know, keeping it super edge of your seat, even without, you know, any real threat of death or anything well i guess there were at times some threats of mm-hmm. that but yeah well love the episode as well yeah let's let's talk like maybe the biggest thing to discuss in this episode i think we might have gotten our big bad in the form of pretty who's clearly been stood <laughs> up on his date yeah i think you're right and <laughs> it's gonna come back oof. to bite them party will be cursed in its entirety <laughs> uh, they can just outlive his yeah, enlarged, issues. swollen heart. <laughs> then maybe His they grease filled. Mine. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, what a great NPC. And I wonder if that, like, how much of that was just improv on Matt's part, or if he, you know, had any of that ready to go in terms of like characterization. You know, I bet, I bet it was a little bit of both. But knowing Matt, I wouldn't be surprised if it was primarily just improved. You know, off the top. Um. I loved his acting too of pretty like tears welling in his eyes and yeah. you know some of some of like the group reactions are some of my favorite things like when the players are reacting to what Matt's doing yeah um both with you know pretty's reaction to the food being so good and I love by the way the the server being like you know you want to give compliments to the chef like really yeah <laughs> and uh and then just reading the journal of the nightmare king uh and then Volley Dertrana like swiping the sword yeah. i mean it was i mean it was intense i mean yeah. i was glued to um the channel at that point it is and that's like a great kind of like one of the things that's kind of hard to explain about critical role to somebody that doesn't watch it that's one of like the great like fun things about the show is that like you get to see the real-time player reactions it, it as well as the character reactions and so it's kind of like a whole nother level of like just an interesting part of you know the the uniqueness of this entertainment mm-hmm. but yeah uh, I, I i don't know where to actually start here i mean we could i, I guess let's, it, let's maybe go like big story cues first um because okay. there's 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 been a, like a lot that's happened um, just throughout these nine episodes. Um, it doesn't feel disjointed. It's been pretty, pretty awesome. But we had a name drop at the very end. Right. This Ira fellow seems pretty, pretty, um, pretty gnarly. Mm-hmm. And um, we had the mention of the Nightmare King. Yeah. So... Does it, is this a callback, by the way, to any previous CR content, or is this totally fresh? This is totally fresh. And 
Okay. At least I think, you know, of course, correct me down below if anyone else remembers that, but I'm pretty sure yeah. this is <laughs> campaign one, uh, episode 82. <laughs> um, actually, uh, <laughs> the tavern yeah, but... <laughs> keeper was named <laughs> the nightmare King, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I think it's brand new. So very yeah, exciting okay. and so ominous as well. You know, like what a name. Mm-hmm. And I was, did Ira's new as well, right? Or is, has there been yeah, any mention? Yeah. Okay. Because I wasn't, that voice yeah. before we found out their name, I was like, ooh, is that familiar? But it, it, was, it was kind of um, Duggar-esque, I think. It might yeah. be what you were calling back on. I think that is. Um, but I think it's just pristine cultist vibe for yeah. me. It's just <laughs> super shady, underdealing, you know. Um, <laughs> and I sometimes I love how like, I love how Critical Role like indulges in the fantasy. Like, just the drop of the Nightmare King name is so high fantasy. I mean, it's yeah. like it's so cool. And then on the same token, in that same breath, almost you have this Ira, I'm going to call him Ira cultist person, um, <laughs> asking for a Mahan child, and uh, Volley being like, "No, you psycho!" Like. <laughs> yeah. Like, I just love how, like, you get the high fantasy and you also get the, like, what is wrong with you? Like, yeah, like, almost like the realism of how someone would actually react. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, and get so, out of here. You're freaking yeah, me out now. Yeah, I've had enough of you. So, so, so let's, let's just start there. Okay. Okay. We have a Nightmare King. We have this person, Ira, who is seemingly, um, and what was the, what was the comment? It was like our patron who was it someone in the quorum. Or was it the patron who was in... I don't remember the language in that scene. I don't remember exactly, but I just remember... You know, he he also, he also was asking... You know, he said the web has, like... I've built the web or something about the web of, like, thing, like you know, all the pieces of this plan are, like, coming to fruition. Um, and he asked for the Mahan child, but he also asked for... You know, bring me some riffraff no one will miss. Right. That's so, right. Yeah, let me let me just read this line that's on Crit Roll Stats real quick. Okay. Um, it says, our patron is pushing for legislation in coming weeks. Uh, so this is obviously right. either a plant or um, someone that maybe they've um, either they've put into power or they're working for directly mm-hmm. who is... Um, presumably part of maybe the guilds part of the Mahan houses or part of um, the, the Chandra quorum itself. Uh, Cause I think we did get mentioned that some people in the quorum re- choose to reveal their identities. I think it was one person who's very open about being part of it. Um, and then there's um, also this echelon of uh, a set of eight who are sort of like the elitists of the quorum among others as well. Um but anyway, so it says, uh, our patron is pushing for legislation in the coming weeks, so whatever you have planned must be quickened. Uh, and then you're right. Ira basically responds and says, you know, you can't imagine all the great things I'm doing, but hey, bring me more riffraff. And by the way, throw in, if you can, throw in a Mahan child. Yeah. <laughs> um, but she's like, no. And then like, just get this done and be out of my hair. So. Wait, does, now I'm confusing myself. Does Ira or does um, Vali... Is it Volley or Vale? Uh, Volley. Volley. Sorry, I was going back and reading the quote now. Does Ira or uh, Volley say the thing about the patrons' legislatures coming? Okay, so Volley says that, and then Ira basically, like, 
Volley says that and says like, we need to hurry up. And then Ira says like, you can't even like, you know, the, the cliche, like you can't even imagine the beauty of like chaos yeah. that I'm doing or whatever. Um, and then ask for more riffraff or a child to which Volley's like, no freak, like, but also <laughs> get this done, which, which to me, uh, knowing Volley's position, I'm assuming there must be some kind of blackmail that this character has on him. And Volley is just trying to be done trying to be done with them i'm guessing yeah so it's it's interesting that volley is the one that you know is speaking to his superior in terms of you know we don't know the context but something's got to be done before this like legislation happens so and it's not ira that is necessarily in in cahoots with this patron let's just, i'm going to use the word patron but yeah, you yeah. know so volley is just enlisted ira for whatever reason to help with something so or do you think they're all three in cahoots or do you think just Vali has you know i think i think it's more like a triangle i think it's okay. a triangle where and they say our patron like this is a mutual person that mm -hmm. they um maybe not are in both in connection with but are at least realize is part of this plan um but Vali seems almost like insinuated to me sort of disgusted with this whole ordeal and just mm -hmm. wants to like I, I just want you out of my life i just want this done already yeah and so that's why it's my understanding that volley hasn't necessarily hired ira but that ira has um basically either either with this patron and brought in volley or has brought in both the patron and volley yeah um is either manipulating volley or like i said earlier has some kind of blackmail on him because um, Volley's clearly a person of influence, clearly a person of power. And, you know, it, it feels like it's pretty standard in stories that people of power also have, you know, fairly undersided um, interests, I guess. Yeah. So that's kind of where I'm expecting that angle to go. Okay. Yeah. And so I just, and then, sorry, I'm just parsing this out as we go. But then, you know, his response of like, you know, you don't even know the beauty of like what I've got working. Do you think that is in reference to this thing they are working together on? Or do you think that was like a comment on like his own goals that may not be necessarily tied to this patron work that they're. I think on it's, time crunch for? I think it's, it's both saying like, be patient because I'm doing something that is taking a lot of attention and there's intentionality with it. Mm -hmm. But I think the also implication to us as viewers is you know, when he mentions like this web is that, hey, like these random different story points that we've gotten so far. And you and I have said like, surely some of this has to be connected in some way. Mm -hmm. um, to me, it implies that this character Ira may even be the person at the center who is, you know, pulling strings and making things happen that you know, again, all these isolated events are somewhat linked. Um, and just to recap, those events, top of my mind, Duggar and the, the broomstone that's being stolen, mm -hmm. the furniture coming to life, the Treshy house, the attack on the Loomis twins, um, the and mimic. the mimic. Yeah. Right, right. So, and then, and then Gurge. So, I mean, there's a lot, there's a lot happening here. Oh, and right. then this thing going on with Ashton with the initials JM. Oh, right. Uh, you know, where he's like, this is business to be taken care of, which, by the way, I love when they um, 
spoke to Estros about this, and Ashton's like, yeah, do you, do you know anyone who would have the initials JM? And Imogen's like, are you kidding me? Hey, Ashton, <laughs> do you know anyone who has the initials JM? But so there's a lot of different like story beats that are happening. Mm -hmm. I don't think this character Ira is responsible for all of them. Right. But I wouldn't be surprised if this is like the next central foe that we're going to become acquainted with. Yeah. And uh, I, I agree that I think, I think my instincts at least are that, and I don't know if it's because the voice was similar, like you pointed out that, that helped me make the connection, but I feel like Ira is definitely the one who is Duggar. He's Duggar superior or maybe the same type of creature that we saw Duggar had become. Um, and I think he might also be the one that did the mimic stuff because, you know, and I don't we, don't, we don't know why, but uh, I don't know. I just get this vibe that, especially since he was asking for like riffraff, no one would miss. To me, that's like, is he maybe trying to create more of whatever Duggar was, especially since Duggar's gone now? Like maybe he needs someone to fill in for whatever Duggar was doing. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. And I... I don't know. I just get really weird. Uh, I feel like, and I don't know why I feel this way, but I feel like he has his own agenda that is separate from whatever they're using him for. Yeah, and I have the sense that Volley might even be a doomed character because it. Again, I'm I'm totally shipping this whole like blackmail scenario, whatever. Yeah, which may not be the case at all, but you know, just hey guys, just in general, working with like cultists and bad people, like it typically doesn't work out. Yeah, yeah. Towards I mean, your he, long longevity, so <laughs> yeah. And he clearly made the it clear that like this wasn't something he was doing of his own, you know, aspirations. Like this is clearly whether it be from his patron, whether it be from blackmail. Like he definitely is, you know, not wanting to be doing this. It seems like, yeah. Um. So yeah, I I agree that he's probably gonna get screwed. You know. Yeah. Loose ends. I'm just, I'm just so like, I'm vibing on the Nightmare King. Yeah, and do we think so? That to me, that was in reference to Gurge. But I yes. mean, I guess it could be in reference to anything. But you know, bring him alive or whatever it said. Mm -hmm. Now, do we think that that's necessarily connected to Ira? Like, what's your instinct? Is that like, or do you think that's just a whole nother like set it's, of things that it could go either way in my mind? I mean, you know, you have this clearly evil character and you have a seemingly evil name <laughs> yeah. uh, mentioned so for me it's easy to like draw the line uh, especially with volley being the connector like the common person um i mean it could be this person's just in so deep that he has not just one but multiple um evil bad dudes that he is you know working with but um to me i mean i i think it would make sense if they were connected but at the same time it I mean, it could go either way. I mean, it could be that Ira is sort of like the short-term focus for the group in the more recent episodes, but that the Nightmare King becomes more of a looming, um, you know, and I think I think this is just good writing in general, by the way, which I think Matt does well, is, you know, I wouldn't be surprised to see the Nightmare King become this large character story-wise before the party actually even really meets this person or right. um even engages with them directly um so i don't know yeah. what do you think i agree with that and i 
I feel like the the easy thread to make is that the Nightmare King is the patron that was referred to, but I don't think it necessarily has to be. So, oh, is this like a, a like a Senator Palpatine type type deal? Maybe. I mean, okay. I am the Senate. I am the quorum. Um, but yeah, okay. I, yeah, I just and this is all just completely grasping at straws, but I'm just wondering. So, if it is, if the Nightmare King is the patron, then we know that the Gurge thing is connected to this specifically. And mm -hmm. so I'm like, what do they want aware? I mean, not that we don't have 100% confirmation that Gurge is aware, whatever wolf, I guess, since they claimed it was a direwolf attack. But like, what what does he need that for? And what does he what does he need him a Han child for? I just want to know these things. Yeah, I think for me, that was just more of like an offhand like, oh, and I'm super evil, by the way, <laughs> type of line. Uh, I, but I don't know, maybe, you know, I think to be fair, I think our last one we did, I said that like the guard, the warden was like, Gurge, I mean, what's a Gurge? And you were like, no, I think it. he's saying like Gurge specifically. And that ended up being the case. So like, maybe you're right. Maybe he specifically wants a Mahan child, um, which is interesting that he asked for that and not just any child, but that he asks, you know, the Mahan houses are, you know, the more elite um, noble houses. So uh, that is pretty interesting that it was that specific. I know. Well, it may be my initial thoughts were that he could be using it if he is the person that made Duggar if he could control for lack of a better word a Mahan child that's a great chess piece to have if you have like a yeah a royalty in a way um, right or like if he is the one and I'm not trying to connect all these dots because I don't think they're all connected I think right. you know, there's different storylines here but if it is connected to the Loomis twins, I mean, we know they were a Mahan house, right? So maybe mm -hmm. he's looking for another in as far as like assassinating someone. Like maybe he could use a Mahan child to like get past security or something. I don't know. These are all like stretches, but that, yeah, that, that stood it, out to me. It it definitely feels like some of these storylines are converging. Because um, I don't remember, maybe it was, I think it was on me and I just forgot to mention it, but um Estros did tell Orem that um, the anger is available to meet with them. And Orem oh, yeah, said, we yeah, covered that. we did. OK, mm -hmm. cool. Um, and Orem said, basically, you know, hey, at the, at the quickest convenience. Yeah. So we know we're getting that might even happen this next episode, actually. Um, and so, you know, we're going to get more details on that attack. Um, and it kind of makes me wonder, I mean, next episode's episode 10. Right. How long do you think they're going to be spending their time in? Drusar. Um, we know Marquette, he, Matt's built out, it seemingly has built out um, a pretty vast continent. Again, 10 episodes in, how much longer do you think we're going to be here? Which I, I don't have a problem if we're here much longer. I'm just, I'm trying to get a sense of, okay, we have some converging storylines. We're getting a lot more meat of like certain events that are happening. It makes me wonder if we're heading towards a climax uh, in Drusar. Yeah, I mean, there definitely seems to be a lot happening in Drusar that I we could spend the next 30 episodes here, and I feel like it would make sense. But they, I mean, it could also be as soon as next episode if they got to get out of the city because of what Chetney just did. Or maybe they got to get out of the city because they're getting um, Dorian's brother out, you know? And then maybe we're just out and we don't come back to Drusar for 50 episodes, you know? I feel like it could really go, this is a, terrible answer to your question but i feel like it could really go either way like um i think it really just depends on 
the heat that they have on them because other if it's not just like heat on them there's no reason to really get out and i think there's enough compelling things that are reasons to stay um so i mean we'll see i guess but uh yeah i could i could really see it going either way as far as staying or leaving i we obviously i think we will explore much more than Drusar in this campaign as a whole, but you know, it might just be a minute before we actually yeah. step foot outside the city. What about um the the map? Like mm-hmm. there's a map of trade routes uh through the Odiran Wilds, which this isn't this isn't the um entirety of Marquette. Help me with the geography here. The Odiran Wilds, where in Marquette is this? Yeah, so I I'm actually, gonna also Google just a do the old google yeah yeah i i looked earlier when we were you, you were talking about that during the recap i pulled up matt's twitter travis's twitter a few of them just to see if anybody like shared a picture of it yet and i don't think they have um i'll keep an eye on that but if anyone that's watching this has found a an image of that map please share it because i would love to see it um but that being said, yeah, he did describe that it, you know, it was these trade routes and stuff. But I wouldn't be surprised if it was a larger map than just that. And that was just kind of the excuse. Yeah. Okay. To kind of that's why, you know, Vali had it on his desk is because he specifically was looking at these trade routes. But this was Matt, you know. All yeah, right, yeah. here's your first map of this area, you know. Yeah, yeah. So so then the question is obviously important enough mm-hmm. to have a map created for this. Um What's your insight on the importance of why does Volley care about the trade routes in Marquette? Yeah, now that's a good question. And I don't, I think there is a purpose to that. Like, yeah, I think this, you know, was a a fun chance to get them a map in game, but there's no, there really was no guarantee that Travis was going to say, I take that, you know, he could have easily just ignored it. Um, So I do think that that was a story clue. There is some thread being painted there and, you know, maybe it's related to whatever he's doing for the Nightmare King, or maybe it's just part of his duties for whatever. Do we does he have a title? Like, I mean, he obviously is business commissioner. Yeah, I think's the like, so maybe whatever. it has something to do with that. I mean, he clearly is the one in charge of like new business coming to Drusar. So maybe he's also in charge of like routing these different imports, exports and stuff. Like, we don't really know what falls under his job description as it were so uh, again this is a kind of a bad answer in terms of giving a concrete direction here but i think it could very easily be something connected to this overarching plot with the nightmare king or could just be his normal duties for you know his job i do like how he decided to take it and the group was kind of like oh that's cool and then matt like just yeah which is a subtle smile pulls out (laughs) the map and everyone's like oh um my theory that i'm gonna go with i think it's related to broomstone mm. i think it's i think um you know duggar is like the front man to uh get the broomstone immediately moved once it comes in to marquette and then something that is as rare a substance and as clearly lucrative a substance obviously can't be freely uh continually moved throughout marquette and so part of me wonders if Volley as like the business person is, you know, a middleman who is finding creative ways to get that broomstone out of Marquette. Um, presuming people want to. I mean, I still like the theory you threw out earlier of 
um, someone using Broomstone to maybe even lift the core spire or do something with Drusar, um, which is just a very cool uh, theory. Um, but yeah, that's that's kind of what I'm going with right now. So we'll see how that shapes up. Yeah, I mean, I think you could be onto something because clearly Broomstone's at the at the heart of a lot of this stuff, and we know. Kinda, it's, yeah, yeah I kind of feel like the whole Pepe Silvia meme is like, <laughs> and then this, and then there's this, and this connects here, and you know, it's 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 like it makes so much sense, and yeah. then like you know, ten episodes later, we're gonna look back and be like, yikes, that was <laughs> not at all nowhere in your rambling. Did you come anywhere <laughs> remotely close to a coherent answer? You will be awarded no points. Yeah. And may God have, may mercy, God on have mercy on your soul. <laughs> but no, I mean, that's that's the um, beauty of this, right? We got to go Pepe Silva. That's the fun of it. Um, but I, I do think you could be onto something because the broomstone is clearly at the heart of a lot of this. And it's, and you know, sometimes the, the, the easiest answer is the simplest, you know? And maybe this is just about money. And if that's a powerful expensive resource that we know only one organization in all of Alexandria controls, which I yeah. don't remember it off the top of my head. Um, maybe this is some sort of play to like become yeah. a new, you know, distributor or a new source for that. And with that much money involved, you know, there's going to be a lot of like shady shit going on because you know, they're not, mm -hmm. people aren't just going to let their revenue yeah. um, get stolen like that. Yeah, and I just Googled it because I it was mentioned again in this last episode, and I thought Estoros or someone mentioned that the organization that controls it is based out of Ancarel, which I don't know if we knew that before, but when it was mentioned, I was like, ooh, that's an important story point because that's the capital of Marquette. And I just I just Googled it. It's, yeah, it's the Alsfaran Union, there and it's go. based in the city of, of Ancarel. Mm. Um, so maybe the trade routes, maybe we're thinking about this backwards. Maybe he's aware of the trade routes where Broomstone can be snuck in. Mm. And so Lord Estros's warehouse is just one of many that they are um, sneaking Broomstone in to get it into Marquette. Yeah, I like that. So because like it was it was the trade routes like around, right? It wasn't yeah. just like the greater trade routes for necessarily right. all of Marquette. Yeah, I like that. And maybe like, and this is again, I'm reaching into Mephistoing territory here, but uh, <laughs> like if, if on Corel, which we know is the capital, um, is the the hub for the Allsfaren Union or whatever, maybe Drusar, like, and if, if this reaches all the way to the top to the quorum and stuff, maybe this is like a reach to like make Drusar better than on Corel. Like, you know, we're going to take your chief export. Like if... Yeah. And this is kind of, I don't know, it's kind of weird, but like if if the people that are in control of the city are the ones really behind all of this, maybe it's because they're trying to make the city the best for, you know, well, I mean, selfish purposes. But don't we know that it's there was some like war back in the day in Marquette between like two large forces and it basically was like a standstill? Like the, who, yeah, who was that about the, the Hellcatch Valley thing? Uh, I don't know. I need to find I have that's, my notebook actually. That's right the conflict that I'm immediately remembering, which was the one that that mercenary group rose to power in. The one that the Paragons call, I think was their name. Yeah, I'm not thinking of that. Okay. Okay. The the Stratos throne and the court of the Lament Lament 
path um the apex war oh okay. and it was years ago he he mentioned it in the introduction of episode one mm. but i don't remember where these factions currently reside um it'd just be interesting if it was like one was capital-esque and then one was jursar related and there was yeah. some like greater power play politics happening that would be super interesting and yeah i don't know enough about the apex war off the top of my head either to to cement that if that is what's happening i'll have to check it i'll have to look into that but yeah that would be that would be really interesting or yeah, you know it could have nothing to do with these you know <laughs> drew sard you know is not even trying to take over and i'm just reaching his draws here but yeah yeah okay Ugh. okay whatever <laughs> Man, that we'll was <laughs> so much, so much to discuss just from like the last 20 minutes of the episode. Yeah. Um, definitely let us know below your thoughts and your favorite um, theories. Because uh, I think something that Will, you and I have talked about is maybe like around episode 10 or so, maybe putting out a video. Um, you know, I don't know if we should do like just a summary, like first 10 episodes, here's what happened. Um, or maybe that should be later. I don't know, but definitely putting out some kind of video that's on like you and I, like our favorite theories that people have shared with us. Uh, Cause there've been some really awesome theories that have come down in the comments section. Um, so if we do something like that, uh, like I said, put your favorite theories down below. Cause we do read them and it's pretty insightful stuff. And just like we did a couple of episodes ago, we even like to share when some of those theories end up being true. Yeah. Um, you know, one of our commenters like nailed two specific story points and that's just fun. I mean, it's just fun to see stuff like that. So. Yeah. hundred percent. But uh, what, what else in this episode? I mean, that was kind of like the major thing. Um, what else you want to talk about? Yeah. That was like the juiciness, but um, there were a few things. Um, let me just take a quick glance in my notes. Um. I know one thing was uh, you found out a little bit about uh, Ladna. I think when she was talking about when the girls were talking about like, what's your dream date? And, you know, have you ever been on a date? Uh, and Ladna said that, you know, I was even before I died, I was like the weird outcast, which was interesting um, information to find out. And, you know, she mentioned that like some boy when they were younger, I don't remember the story, but like picked on her or something. And the rest of the cast is like, well, what was their name? And they were, they were fishing for if she was going to say Percy, um, but she was like Andy. And, uh, and they were like, oh, you know, we were wondering if you say Percy. And she goes, she did not fucking know Percy. And so I just think that was an interesting like reveal there because a lot of people have been wondering, like, what what was Ladna's place in Whitestone? But so anyway, we at least now have confirmation that she wasn't like a secret Dorolo or, you know, Something oh, okay. along those yeah, yeah. lines. I, I mean, unless it. she's lying, but um, with with as much speculation that has been around like her history in Whitestone, I thought that was at least a significant reveal in that it eliminated a lot of things. That went totally um, over my head because I I was like, "Who's Andy? Who who is Andy?" And yeah, CR one. Yeah. Like, so yeah, Andy was nobody. But I, is it was this person going to so be that... in the in the <laughs> animated series? <laughs> I hope he is now. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> He's the um, hero. But yeah, so that was one thing I wanted to at least touch on. Um, what else do we got here? Uh, I mean, there is the, this was, we kind of a little talked about it, but basically confirmation that Gurge is a person. 
Yeah. Um, it has an, an inf- I guess, an infection of some kind. I guess lycanthropy is. I, I don't know enough in like D and D lore, um, but I guess you get bit and you have it. Because um, I think Artana Vo actually says like, make sure you don't get bit from that. Yeah, one. yeah, she did say that, um, which I completely forgot about that. So yeah, that that's interesting. And so I know <laughs> there's still you know a lot of people out there that think Travis that that Chetney may not be his real character and. Uh, I think we've mentioned this before, but Travis loves werewolves. So I know that I think there's still some some Travis truthers out there that think, you know, maybe Gurge is his character. It is funny how much they've been. Um, I, I personally think Chetney is Travis's character, but I think if if for whatever reason his character is Gurge, it's hilarious. I like they keep making fun of that name. Like they keep being like, Gurge, what a dumb name. And like <laughs> I keep seeing Travis like laughing. And I'm like, oh, man, if that is his character, yeah, that's going to be hilarious. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, I could definitely see it as like the long game, um, but I'm like 80% Chetney's his real character. Yeah. Um, especially when he slid the bookcase aside and was like, do I go down the stairs or not? And he was like, I, I just got to do it. I just got to know. And he, to the out, out of character, he said, man, I really don't want to have to come back again <laughs> as like a third character. Now, it could yeah. be because Gurge isn't ready, but I, I my interpretation is like, I don't want to die again and have to create a character like this. Right. This is me. So, yeah, I agree. Yeah. Um, but it is, it, I just, I do wonder about Gurge and like what, if maybe that's just part of his characterization, he's a, a werewolf and that's, that's it. And these little mm-hmm. flavor moments are just because that's his character. Or if there is some like greater connection here, cause you know, like why, like it's weird that, a werewolf is the one that hooks master craftsman up with new jobs, you know? Like, Oh yeah. Like what the hell is that connection? Yeah. And I think that's why the group was like, Chetney, like seriously, like what is going on with this person? Like surely there's more to it. And, uh, you know, he was like, I really like, really, this is it. Like this, I promise this is it. And, uh, I guess like the comment on, you know, the people of like the smolder spire or like down below, um, I guess not the smolder spire, like, of the jungles or of the wilds mm-hmm. um, sort of respect Gurge because maybe Gurge is a sort of man of the people and like the downtrodden. And so um, Chetney, an old timer loses his job. Yeah. Gurge will help you out. I mean, maybe, maybe that is it. I don't know, but it, it does seem a bit because of like the interest that seems to be following Gurge. I mean, Lord Estros knows about him. Um, the nightmare King wants yeah. him. It is That's a bit of a, it's a strange yeah, come live with me for a little bit while, you know, it'd be like if, I don't know, the level one Marvel hero gets invited to live with uh, Tony Stark for, <laughs> you know, I don't know. It just, it's just, it's a bit strange, I guess. Yeah. So I, I feel like there's more to unpack there, um, especially, which the seems, signs seem to point to this, but especially if Gurge is who was being referred to in that, in that Nightmare King note. Um, but maybe, you know, maybe it's because werewolves are rare and maybe like their blood is useful for something. And so, you know, maybe that's, that's why he's needed or something like that. But I don't know. Still, yeah. still a lot of questions there, but I, do, do we still think Lord Esteros is something? I think so. I mean, I don't think it, it's necessarily as like 
exciting or as big of a reveal as like vampire or werewolf or that type of thing but i think there's clearly something that's still mm -hmm. unknown about him especially since there are so many rumors that matt like specifically alluded to you know like right. I, don't, I feel like there's and maybe it's going to be really underwhelming whatever it is but i do think there is something yeah and it does make me wonder if story-wise we're heading to my theory uh, maybe the end of Esteros. Um, he's obviously highly uh, uh, pursued by people who want to, you know, rid Dressar of his influence. You know, he has hidden traps even in like his spare bedrooms. Mm -hmm. He's basically a recluse. And now he's talking about going to this ball for the first time in years. Um, to me, I mean, it, I, I'd be fine with him being in the story to the end, but he's a bit of a crutch, a convenient crutch to the party of let's just go AC Estros. Let's yep. get Estros to help us. Um, it's great. I think early on low level, but I do wonder if there's, we're coming to a point where it's basically, Hey, you're going to have to, you guys are gonna have to fend for yourself because Estros yeah. isn't, I don't know. That's kind of just what I'm thinking. No, I, I really like that. I was going to, I was going to tack on, but you said it. I think that he is a huge crutch. Like, whenever they don't know what to do, it's like, let's go to Estros. And they literally did that twice this episode. <laughs> yeah. And saw him left and we're like, uh, let's go back. Let's see what he knows about this. So I feel like narratively, uh, it would make a lot of sense for them to lose that crutch. If that maybe he dies or maybe for some, for some other reason. Um, but yeah, that, that would be super interesting, especially if, you know, if, if he does go to the ball, which one, if he goes to the ball, I hope they get to go just because I feel like that would make a great episode, all of them yeah. at the ball. But it would be fascinating if, or fascinating is not the right word, but it would be interesting if, you know, that's what got him killed. And they kind of had to deal with that on their conscience that like, you know, this recluse who finally came out for us is dead. And, you know, he was the one we leaned on. Like, what do we do now? And maybe that's what gets them out of Drusar finally, because maybe, you know, the heat's going to be on them as well if they're known associates of his or something. Mm -hmm. But anyway, yeah, I really like that. I think that um, I think that could definitely be the case that he may, you know, exit the story for one reason or another. Yeah. Yeah. That's all I got to say about that. I mean, that's yeah. just, <laughs> just what I'm thinking. So, yeah, yeah, I like that. Um, as far as the anything else, uh, most of the little stuff I wanted to touch on, we touched on in the recap and I don't really have more to say on it than just bringing it up um so i just kind of won't bog us down with that stuff but uh one interesting thing was uh we found out imogen's uh horse's name was flora so and this isn't like a big thing or anything but we got a a little bit more of a glimpse into her um into her into her uh she kind of her happy place was you know in a field with her horse so um i just thought that was cool insight and uh she of course they this is campaign two stuff but she made a funny comment about like you know i know as much about horses as you know this character from this other campaign knew about sailing so she was just kind of uh poking travis there which i thought was funny um but yeah um that's really all i got i think what about yeah. you uh no i think we pretty much hit on all of it um yeah i i am thinking maybe next sesh we're heading towards uh an encounter with the anger and some more explanation there um 
or I mean, maybe maybe the outcome of this break in is um going to be like you know high octane <laughs> type of episode like in high pursuit i mean i don't know so yeah that's that what i was going to say is like what like this may be the whole this may be the whole left turn and everything that we thought was going to happen because i mean he didn't see him yet but if they like see chetney and i'm assuming you know the rest of the party's going to come try to help the direction of that scream like they may be identified as people who broke into Bali's office and then, you know, stuff may just be all off course if that's the case. And yeah. maybe we leave Drusar. Yeah. Um, One last detail that I forgot to mention is we did finally get the name of the fifth spire, which I, I've said a couple of times, like, hey, we I wonder what this fifth spire is. And it's called the Lucent Spire. And it is where most of like the noble houses um, basically live. Um, oh yeah, that's right. I'm glad so, you said that because I forgot about that completely. <laughs> yeah, so we have the Core Spire, the Airy Spire, where the uh, Starlight Conservatory is, mm -hmm. um, the Smolder Spire, which is like sort of like the um, uh, ash cover industrial. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, the um, I'm forgetting. I forgot which ones you already said. Which one? <laughs> uh, let's start over. Core Spire, <laughs> Lucent Spire, Smolder Spire. Spire the um the uh smolder no you just said that one i just said uh, that the... now we can't remember <laughs> wait the one that they are was always the going lantern to lantern. lantern lantern yeah okay i can't remember if it was lantern district or lantern spire no lantern um spire. and then what was the last one now <laughs> barry did we say that one i said that already did i say that <laughs> all right forget it we're not we're not doing this <laughs> We're going to cut this part out. Later. Yeah, yeah. Someone in the comments is going to be like, hey, guys, it's not too complicated. You guys and are just morons. Clearly, <laughs> we're not morons. We're doctors. <laughs> so, all right. Well, I think that's what all we got, right? Yeah, I think so. Um, we are. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I, I'm excited to keep theory crafting, especially on the stuff we spent the majority of this episode talking about. The Nightmare King. Yeah. Uh, I want to say Ian. That's not his name. What's Ira. Name? Ira, thank you. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but so, yeah, I would love to talk to you guys in the comments or on Twitter about all of that because I could we could keep going for forever. Um, can't wait till next week. Hopefully, we get some some more insight there. But um, yeah, I uh, we're, at, we're at the Pixelist, by the way. On oh Twitter. yeah, at the Pixelist on Twitter. So hit us up there for show. Um, yeah, we check out the podcast too. Oh, by yeah. the way, if you like to listen through this on audio, uh, it is going to be an apple podcast very soon and it's already on spotify so you can check that out yeah and uh you know not to be the cliche youtubers or podcasters that say this but it does go a long way if you throw us that like or uh, that subscribe it, it means a lot we're getting close to 500 subs um so yeah do we need to do something for that or yeah, maybe we should um, so i'm excited yes. i do know yeah. that at a thousand which we're a ways away from but that's when you can like change your URL. So like we could be youtube.com slash the pixelist instead of like nice. a question mark T U W X, you know? Yeah, so yeah. do us a favor, help us get there. And uh, yeah, that's, that's pretty much all I got. You yeah. just got to do a thumbnail. Chances are, if you're an hour and a half into this video, I'm going to guess you're already subscribed. <laughs> yeah. But you know, some people yeah, just yeah, don't yeah. ever subscribe to anyone, you know? So. Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. Thumbnail. Uh, I don't know. Ideas. Uh, my first instinct was like pretty the ogre of like just being like like really like 
you know, brought to tears, but I don't yeah, really yeah. know how that, like, if we could just both do that or if there's some other. You could, you could be a yogurt and I that. could be like the, you know, compliments to the chef, like, like, mm, okay. Or something. <laughs> that you know? works for me. <laughs> okay. Yeah. All right. Are you ready? Uh, yeah. I'm trying to figure out what I should do, but yeah. Okay. Right, that's better. Yeah. Okay. All right, cool. We got right. something in there. Yeah. Well, thank you guys for listening and uh, we'll catch you later. See you next time. See ya. Bye.